Imagine building a more successful hypnosis business just in the next 10 days. To learn how, please visit worksmarthypnosis.com and take the 10-day hypnosis business challenge. Yours free today. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Let's get this party started. All right, welcome. This is Jason Lynette here at the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast. Here we go with session number four, the all positive ego strengthening. You may remember back to session number one, the all positive pre-talk. You might notice a little bit of branding here in terms of some of the approaches that I've put together. The specific reason I want to share this program with you today is all about building your confidence as a hypnotist. Specifically, here is the situation, the scenario that I run into often. I teach a number of training courses every year, and here is the brand new hypnotist who has no prior experience, and maybe it's a day where we're starting to put all the ingredients together. Okay, now do this induction, do these deepeners, and then practice this specific technique. And here's an example of a recent class where there's a student still going through the course, And it's a moment where she's working with a script, she's working with her text, and she's looking for the next page. As the experienced hypnotist, we can find the words to say to transition to the next process. For that brand new hypnotist, that poses a bit of a challenge. What do I say next? So I hear her in the room next to the one I'm in right now saying, okay, and just relaxing, just continue to relax more and more. That's right, just keep relaxing and continue to relax. So basically, could not find the words to at least vamp for time, transition, and make the use of that process. You know, to be fair, she could have just thrown in a deepening technique. In a moment, you'll hear a bit of silence, and during the silence, just let that take you deeper as whatever. So that's one specific part of this work that I want this information I share with you today to have. It provides a bit of a through line. I'll put it this way. Let's, before we even get into the content, look at the cl- the structure of classical music or even uh, modern pop music. Very often, there's lyrics and then there's the chorus. The chorus being that part of the song that repeats several times throughout the process of the song. And then there's some chorus, there's some lyrics that then come in to break things up a little bit. Um, you know, perhaps not use the best possible example of modern day pop music. I'm pretty certain you're aware of the song called Escape. That is the real title. However, the nickname is The Pina Colada Song. There's some lyrics that describe the story of There He Is going out to a bar and the chorus then of the If You Like Pina Coladas and Getting Caught in the Rain. That is a thematic structure that repeats several times throughout the course of that song. Um, and I'm going to not even attempt to remember who wrote that song, but again, the real name is Escape, the Pina Colada song. So I reference that as a simple example. Look at the cl- structure of classical music. Let's use Fur Elise. And you'll now hear exactly how tone deaf I am even listening to this as I'm recording with headphones on. The and that sequence of music, that theme, that structure is going to repeat several times throughout the course of that music. 
It goes off into different sections, different segments, different tones and energy of music, but it always comes back to that home base, and so forth and so on. So I reference that, because what if, as hypnotists, we could begin to build in the course of our sessions, whether it's one session, whether it's several sessions, what if we can begin to build a thematic structure, a through line throughout the entire process that's going to give ourselves a greater ability to compound suggestions and strengthen the change, yet at the same time, give us something that we can be doing in our techniques to give us that time to transition and choose our next possible step. That's exactly what I'm going to share with you today. First of all, I'm going to be referencing some specific pieces of text, and one of them being uh, Hartland's Ego Strengthening Technique. You can literally just go on Google and type in Hartland, H-A-R-T-L-A-N-D, Hartland Ego Strengthening Script, and you're going to find several copies of it there online that's out there. Uh, I'm going to be referencing my variation on it, which I've subtitled the All Positive Ego Strengthening. Uh, but to make it easy for you, both of these are going to be available on worksmarthypnosis.com. Just search the uh, podcast listings. This is session number four, the All Positive Ego Strengthening, and you'll find the exact text that I'm referring to here. I want to give you a bit of a background towards this. Yes, today I am going to be talking about hypnotic scripts, and I believe, and someone correct me on this, I believe I may be quoting Richard Nongard on this, but the phrase about many hypnotists out there like to brag and boast that they never make use of scripts, and according to Richard, if I'm remembering this quote properly, they're either doing one of three things in that scenario. One, they're lying. <laughs> Two, they're not actually seeing clients, they're not actually working, so really their opinion might not be as valid as others. Or three, and this one tends to be in my experience the most likely, they're making use of memorized chunks of information, which perhaps from a confidence-based standpoint, they refuse to admit that at one point were scripts, but now they're just memorized chunks of information. And to explain that, I'll put the reference towards the field of improv and stand-up comedy. You've perhaps been to see a comedy show before, and the comedian now branches off into what they now call crowd work, in which he just begins to interact with the audience, and based on their responses, he then begins to improv some comedy. Well, I hate to pull back the magic curtain, but chances are he's now being able to fall into a number of memorized chunks of information that he's previously written, workshopped, and now consistently presents. The easiest example, asking the audience members, hey, what do you do for a living? And this one responds, he's a lawyer. And jackpot, he's got seven quality minutes of lawyer jokes, lawyer routines, lawyer bits and pieces to tell. And it looks as if all of a sudden in that moment, he is this just the most incredible improvisational comedian. And yet every audience, every lawyer, that's what he does. And here comes the next one. This one's a nurse. Ooh, perfect. Okay, well, he's only got four minutes of nurse jokes, but still, it looks spontaneous. It looks spur of the moment. And I believe the comedian terminology for this is a hump of information. Let's just call it a chunk, which again, at its core, 
could have been a script, but maybe that practitioner is not sitting in the room with a client looking at a piece of paper. So I reference that because as a working hypnotist, I tend to see about two dozen or so clients a week these days. Here comes my one who wants to quit smoking. I firmly believe in a client-centered approach, yet this one wants to quit smoking because their, um, their wife has just now become pregnant, and he knows that it's going to be in his much better interest to stop smoking now that the baby's on the way. He's been meaning to do it for all of his life, but that might specifically be the intention of why he's in my office today. Well, again, jackpot. I've got like five minutes of material, sound, quality, high quality stuff I can use for that client in that moment for that specific scenario. I'm concerned I can't quit smoking because my husband also smokes. Boom, I've got four minutes of information just for that. And at its core, it may have come at this point, I don't even remember, at, at its core, that chunk of information I'd use in that scenario may actually be a part of something that I read from a script years ago. Um, but now it's just part of my vernacular in terms of what I say with my clients. So I reference that, yes, I'd prefer you not be in your sessions looking at a piece of paper because now you don't have your attention on the client. Be in the moment, deal with what emerges. This is the best way to make use of a script book as a hypnotist. Read it and forget about it. Maybe take some notes. I'll give you that. Maybe take some notes and chart out the bullet points of these are the thematic points that are being referenced. And then based on your notes of talking to your client, then fold the two together. And that's something that just the more you do it, the better you're going to get at it. But again, I just like to give that bit of a disclaimer about the whole concept of scripts. To completely write off that category is a bit of a disservice. Even your advanced hypnotic interventions, whether it's age regression, whether it's forgiveness, uh, whether actually just recently I hosted for the second time Inez Simpson teaching her Simpson protocol, you know, to look at that process as an outline, it covers, I think in her workbook, maybe about 20, 30 pages. At its core, there it is. You could read it as a script, but it's going to become a much better, more empowering, successful process Without that paper, there is the border between you. But as we like to say, everybody starts somewhere. So have that in the start of your mind. To, to borrow a Roy Hunter phrase, scripts are training wheels. So that being said, let's now talk about a specific script, a very popular one. Uh, Dr. John Hartland. Um, I'll forego the full details of his history here, but basically for just a couple of pages in his book on medical and dental applications of hypnosis, there's this little technique, as we like to say, that the best way to hide something in the profession is to publish it. And there published is his ego strengthening technique. I would, in full respect, reference the hypnotist Lisa Halpin, who presented a workshop at the NGH, National Guild of Hypnotists Convention, several years ago called The Magic Script. And my jumping off point for this content here is her workshop. I've taken it in some other directions, but I will reference some of the points that I gained from her, which by the way, that's a fabulous workshop. You can contact the NGH, go to just ngh.net, and you can actually order the audio of that specific, uh, that specific workshop from a few years ago. I don't have the specific year on hand at the moment, but I'll put that on the, on the website, worksmarthypnosis.com, so you can reference that as well. It's fabulous. The point of view that she shared and some of the history behind this this is a technique that Hartland developed over, 
I believe, at least 15, 20 years, and every word served a specific purpose. To be fair, there are some parts of this text that read very negatively. You're talking about things such as anxiety. You're talking about things such as depression or discouragement or fatigue. Yet specifically, it's the way that it's written that becomes perhaps one of the best crash courses in hypnotic language patterns, because you're strengthening the strengths and weakening the weaknesses. If you ever find a text of this process, specifically the original, that doesn't have words all in caps, you're not looking at the best format of this. And again, perhaps it may be easier to reference this, worksmarthypnosis.com, find the podcast session four, that text is going to be there on the site. But as you read through it, there may be some phrases that need to be updated. The second paragraph, consequently, these things I put into your unconscious mind. Well, maybe we might want to update that, these suggestions we offer to your subconscious mind. Although I would share a story as you take your own time to read the original. It dates back to a woman who I worked with that she just knocked it out of the park. She was phenomenal to work with. The weight was falling off of her body. The suggestions were taking hold. We were doing some emotional techniques to release the triggers. And by the end of it, it was as if the problem was never even there before. So then she refers her husband. And I'll say this politely, no matter how many times I went into my pre-talk, and I'll just use a generic name, John was convinced that I was just gonna say magic words snap my fingers, and that would fix everything. I mean, first, second, and third session began with, you know what, why don't we kind of begin from scratch again? And I would go into the pre-talk perhaps with a little bit more detail than I normally would. But again, in one ear, out the other, you're just going to say magic words, snap your fingers, and that's going to fix everything. Well, if you can't beat them, join them. And that was a moment where I pulled out the original Heartland Ego Strengthening script, And I read that thing word for word in that process. And from that session forward, the weight began to just disappear. He was eating right, he was drinking right, he was moving right, and he was feeling fantastic, and he was making this stuff happen. So there may be something to be said about having that as a standby to go back to the original process. Because John, these things I put into your unconscious mind will begin to exercise a grip. I mean, I leaned into it. I acted it up, um, which I'd share along that. I have mentioned this before. My background came about from management in professional theater. I wasn't acting. I wasn't directing. I wasn't designing. It was my job to be present in the room, deal with the unions and make all the creative people get along. And as I like to say, if that wasn't psychological training, I don't know what was. But the way that most classical pieces of theater would begin was with table work. And what that is, is the actors sitting around the table with the directors, with perhaps the designers and the historians, which in theater are called dramaturgs. And they would go through the text page by page, line by line, beat by beat, and discuss the intention behind the script, specifically with a Shakespearean text, something classical. Well, you know, in this scene, here's what the character is saying to the characters involved. Here's the plot points that are being presented here. However, Shakespeare was writing this as a uh, as a satire on the monarchy at the time, and this is what his real intention was. So perhaps to play it this way in the scene, here's what it's going to accomplish. So that type of heady 
philosophical discussion was taking place. But specifically, with a piece of classical text, as you may already know, most of Shakespeare's work is written as poetry, specifically as iambic pentameter. It's a line where there's 10 syllables and every other syllable is emphasized. So let's use a line from Romeo and Juliet that you may be aware of, the classic balcony scene. Rome, uh, Juliet's up in the balcony, Romeo's down in the bushes, as they always play it in movies and live productions as well. The line begins, but soft, what light through yonder window breaks? And to read it with all of the emphasis, but soft, what light through yonder window breaks? And to perform it in that context would just be, well, downright horrible. But it's a process of finding the dominant stressor and the secondary stressor. I've been away from that profession now for about 10 years, so the specific terminology is escaping me, but there's one primary and one secondary. So in that situation, but soft what light through yonder window breaks, because the light is breaking, and that's what he's now noticing, and that's what's prompting this monologue, this scene. If the emphasis is the wrong place, it doesn't sound right. And the classic example with this specific line is the actor walks out on stage, but soft, what light through yonder window breaks, and he's not quite sure exactly where to put the emphasis. And there's the audience member saying, the heck's a but soft, <laughs> because the word but is not the emphasis, but soft, what light through yonder window breaks, and putting the emphasis where it should be. With that in mind, as you review the visual aspect of looking at this Heartland ego strengthening technique, specific words, the work is done for you, specific words are in all caps. And I'll jump down to the part where it actually begins to jump into the content. As a result of this deep hypnotic rest, you are going to feel physically stronger and fitter in every way. You're going to feel more alert, more wide awake, more energetic. You'll become much less easily tired, much less easily discouraged, much less easily depressed every day. And in that specific segment of the text, notice what's happening because of the emphasis. Yes, you are saying some relatively negative sounding words. You may even, and this is what Lisa Halpin shared, and this has been my experience as well. You may be in that session thinking the client didn't come in referencing these issues, so they're going to open their eyes and say, I don't feel that way. But similar to Lisa, my experience has been the client at the end of the session goes, how did you know to say those things to me? That's what I needed to hear today. So that's one of the benefits of this classic text. So, but notice the phrasing, notice the benefit of the emphasis, and I'll exaggerate it here as you're listening to it. You are going to feel physically stronger and fitter in every way. You're going to feel more alert, more wide awake and energetic. You'll become much less easily tired, much less easily fatigued. And what's happening here, based on this tonality, is again, it's strengthening the strengths and it's weakening the weaknesses. It's building a pattern. So you can actually begin to use this concept in other parts of hypnosis. And some of the work that I've recently published on testing convincers, rather than pick this mindset of this client now responds to permissive or authoritative, Use them both. Put these things that you don't want to happen as permissive and put the things you do want the client for to experience to happen as authoritative. 
So easiest example, as you try to bend that arm, it just gets stronger and stronger. As you try to find that fear, it just goes further and further away. So just to use our tonality, it's not just what we're saying, it's how we're saying it. So again, head over to worksmarthypnosis.com. You can find and grab that entire Heartland Ego Strengthening Technique there. What I want to share with you is how I've been making use of this in recent years here at my office. I can next give credit to Ron Esslinger, who in the course of his training materials has Ron's Positive Ego Strengthening. And I've taken it a little bit of a step further in terms of how I make use of it. In Captain Ron Esslinger's variation, there's some wonderful work about taking out the negatives, which is valid. It's very, very logical to do that at times. In my application, it's more about when and where and how I'm making use of this than it is the actual words. Because remember back to how we began this conversation today about thematic structure, about themes and music, about how specific segments will occur, how as that new hypnotist, there's often a lack of confidence about what to say and when to say it. So yes, this does serve a value what I'm about to share with you in terms of specifically how to transition from one technique to another. Yeah, I'd say this is a bit of a diversion. That's what makes this profession of hypnotism so unique. And I use a specific example, and yes, before you start to get caught up in the content of the story, I'm aware of the content, because hypnosis has actually been found to be very, very valuable, very, very effective for helping to reduce or even eliminate the symptoms of allergic responses. I had done that work and yet wasn't able to produce the results that I wanted, so I went through a bit of a journey of testing the medical model with allergic responses. The easy result was they told me to cut out milk, and by doing so, it just became much easier. Um, and specifically, uh, back to the theater profession, we would refer to it as the devil's milk. We're in a profession where we talk all day, and I had this weird annoying cough, but specifically, I went to a doctor, and here's the experience. Here's some Claritin. Take that. See if that helps. Three weeks later, I go back because it wasn't. Okay, here's Zyrtec. Take this one. And three weeks later, I came back. That wasn't working either. Allegra, uh, all the other variations. Spray this one up on your nose. Take these shots and all these different experiences. And yet nothing was really working until they did some other testing and just made some recommendations and boom, problem solved now. So again, don't get caught up in the content of that story. It's the context. Because what was the technology there? One visit, one technique, go home. And as hypnotists, we're able to layer upon layer upon layer different strategies, techniques, approaches, advanced applications of hypnosis, other modalities that are appropriate, EFT, whatever it might be, into our process. We're able to go into that process of hypnosis and use so many more techniques to expand and compound the changes we're creating. And that is one of the very unique things about being a hypnotist that perhaps is why this process is so effective. Okay, off my soapbox. So this becomes another way to do that even further, folded on top of everything it is that you're already doing. So the beginnings of the magic script reference as a result of this deep hypnotic rest. So I've updated that phrase to be that action statement. Let's link it to the process of today as you walk out that door today. And I'll read through some of this. I won't read through all of it. This is my all positive ego strengthening. 
As you walk out that door today, you begin to find yourself feeling physically stronger and fitter, more alert, more wide awake, and more energetic. This may sound familiar. You begin to find yourself becoming so deeply interested in whatever you are doing that your mind is much less preoccupied with the challenges of yesterday and much more aware of your abilities today. Nerves becoming stronger and steadier, mind calmer and clearer. A few updates as I roll forward again. Download these from worksmarthypnosis.com. You begin to discover much more confidence in yourself, much more confidence in your ability to do not only what you have to do each day, but much more confidence in your ability to do whatever you ought to be able to do and to do it easily, optimistically, and happily. I would agree with Lisa Halpin on the statement on the original that unless you've put in the work and the experience that Hartland put into his, don't you dare change the words. However, one day out of nowhere, I folded in one extra phrase in this next segment, uh, which I get a lot of great feedback from. Because of this, every day you feel more and more independent, more able to stick up for yourself. And here's that modifier, especially when it's to yourself to hold your own, no matter how difficult or trying things may seem to be. So again, you'll have all this text, you can find it on the site, but here's exactly how I make use of this. Again, thematic structure. So let's say I'm in my session and let's use an easy example. And as you hear me bouncing around different examples here, understand I'm giving different examples rather than I would do all these things in one session. I like to go into a session with a client just as focused as possible. They may have a laundry list, but I'll ask them, what's the most important thing to address today? I found that once we get that foot in the door of change, it becomes easier than to maybe branch out and address a couple of things in the course of subsequent sessions. Yet from that point forward, again, that first session, I like to be as focused as possible. Okay, another soapbox. Did you hear that I said subsequent sessions? It just irks me that phrase follow-up sessions. Something about the phrase follow-up sessions maybe in my mind infers that... Um, we're just going to repeat and continue forward. When I like the phrase of subsequent sessions because it brings in the connotation of being different than what we did before. Off of soapbox number two. So here is how I'm going to make use of my all positive ego strengthening approach. Thematic structure. This becomes the easiest universal approach for hypnotic change. That doesn't even have to be a technique. It can be a theme throughout your process. Because as today, as you throw out your cigarettes, you begin to find yourself becoming physically stronger and fitter. You're so much more alert, awake, and energetic. Another example. As you find yourself flying on that airplane and surprising yourself just how comfortable you are, you begin to think more clearly, concentrate more easily. Your memory improves and you see things in their true perspective. So we find ourselves using this approach as a universal technique. All you have to do is describe the intended result the client desires and then link it with one of these ego strengthening suggestions. Because now as you feel that feeling and you know it's not hunger and you never have to eat in response to it again, we could phrase that one positively in better ways, of course. You find yourself now feeling more independent, more able to stick up for yourself, especially when it's to yourself, and so on and so forth. 
I don't want you to dismiss this though, especially if you're someone like me that makes use of a lot of advanced strategies for change, whether it's NLP processes, I'm a big fan of the new behavior generator, whether it's uh, classical, more psychologically based approaches, let's say like age regression, parts therapy, if it's techniques such as that, this fits into that as well. And let's specifically address this by talking about what we now refer to as age regression to cause followed by the informed child technique which we can paraphrase in a simple way. If you knew then what you know now, would things be different? Yes. Okay, good. Let's go back and relive that experience with better resources. That's what that process is about. Okay, soapbox number three. Age regression as a category is neither good nor bad. I'm a firm believer that this is a technique. There's no such thing as a good technique or a bad technique. It's only a matter of how we make use of it. You want more on that, go back to session number two with Michael Elner. A lot of wonderful information in that session, all about how the practitioner transcends technique. So techniques are neither good nor bad. It's a matter of how we use them. Okay, off of soapbox number three. So in the category of regression, I'm really so much more in our modern era, and my approach is less concerned with where we end up and more concerned about how they find their own way out of it. It's a metaphor, it's a theme for change, because, and hear this carefully, we get into a wonderful model of hypnosis where if we're using that informed child technique, in a moment, you get to tell that five-year-old everything it is that she needed to know at that moment, where you felt afraid, but she gets to go through it now feeling confident. That's the structure of that process in my world. And what happens? We then get to sit back and there's our hypnosis client performing direct suggestion and hypnosis on themselves. And I feel I'm a rather talented and skilled and maybe even gifted hypnotist. And I'm not sure there's many people out there that are, you know, either better or worse than I am. And we all have our own individual strengths. But I don't care how much experience and how much training and how much wonderful things you've learned and how many years you've been doing this. The insights the clients can produce in that specific process, in that moment where it's appropriate to use it, do you like all these modifiers? <laughs> the suggestions they're going to be giving themselves that they've been trying to do at the conscious level, but now they're doing at the unconscious level, it's going to be so much stronger. And I would encourage you as the hypnotist to be sitting next to the client in that moment and furiously writing down every word that they're saying. And then here comes your wonderful opportunity to compound those suggestions even further with this ego strengthening technique. And I'll pull some from the memory bank that I have of past clients. Now that you know as others are fighting around you, it's got nothing to do with you. You find your nerves becoming stronger and steadier. Your mind is calmer and clearer, more composed, peaceful, and at ease. You can see the structure here. Now, as you're growing your business, it matters more what you want. You develop a greater feeling of personal well-being, a greater feeling of personal safety and security more than you felt in a long time. So what's the structure? We're going to stand on the shoulders of the greats. Great number one being that insight, that information your client has produced as a part of that specific process. And understand this has everything to do if you're doing NLP work, a new behavior generator, um, uh, change personal history, whether it's to do with parts therapy, whether it's to do with forgiveness techniques. There's no limitations to this approach. 
any moment where there's going to be interaction with the client, there's that statement. The stuff that they're producing is going to be so much more powerful, no matter how clever you are, than what you'd come up with. So this is how you harness that. Now that you know you're confident and you can feel wonderful and you deserve every bit of your own healthiness, health and happiness, you begin to think more clearly, concentrate more easily, and you're standing on the shoulder of that other great Heartland. So fold this into your practice. This is something that isn't necessarily just a one-session approach with me. And what I mean by that, even if it is a client that I end up seeing, you know, four, five, six sessions, there are some I see for less, of course. But if this is a client that I'm seeing multiple sessions, this becomes a bit of a through line throughout the process. Specifically, let's talk about the concept of hypersuggestibility. And that's a term that I've heard a lot of other hypnotists use, yet it's very rarely stopped and discussed. Here's my paraphrase of the process. Something hypnotic happens. And because something hypnotic has now just occurred, the suggestions that I give you after that hypnotic experience now come with much greater strength. The easiest example, testing convincers. There's a moment where they know they could have bent their arm, but now we're producing large muscle catalepsy and that arm is not bending. Try to bend that arm, it gets even stronger. Try to bend that arm, it just gets even stronger. Again, you hear that permissive to authoritative approach. And as I tap on the hand, it just relaxes all the way down, takes you much deeper, collapse. So in that moment, we've just produced a moment of hypnotic conviction. And we've now, by doing so, created a moment of hypersuggestibility. The suggestions that we're now going to give carry even greater, to use the technical phraseology, even better oomph, <laughs> even better strength, chutzpah, whatever you want to call it, that are going to make it so much stronger. So link it. That part of your mind that could let that happen is the same part of your mind that now begins to feel physically stronger and fitter, more alert, more wide awake, more easily encouraged, whatever those suggestions may be. Now, this is just the way that I do it. But my goal of this program today, the goal of this session today, was to share with you the thinking behind it. So even though you can access on worksmarthypnosis.com, that original ego strengthening technique, as well as the variation that I've put together, I would encourage you to do this as your next step. Workshop them both, because you're going to find certain words fit in your vernacular, your mouth, your words, better than they do with me. So play with it. There are times where I dip into the original version of using some of the negative suggestions because there's a specific intention behind them. So I'd encourage you, put this into use, put this into work, and share with me your feedback. I want to hear how this works for you, especially if you're brand new to hypnosis. This is something I share with my certification classes, and I send them home with this technique after the very first weekend. This is the first piece of hypnotic change work that I introduce. And the benefit of it is they come back the next weekend, and there's a working language, a working structure of change that they can now use within their process as they're learning new techniques to vamp for time, to choose the next piece of strategy they're going to use. And I use that phrase vamp with time not to say pad your sessions with this, because any opportunity you have to compound the structure of change and strengthen the results your client is going to achieve is going to help us all to become so much more successful.
Again, I'm Jason Lynette. This has been Work Smart Hypnosis, the podcast. Thank you so much. I look forward to hearing of your success very soon. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com. Please visit the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast listing on iTunes and share your positive feedback.